I feel hated. Don't understand why. I know that I, I'm infamous and hated. I understand the reasons for being hated, but I really have no appreciation myself, sir, for, for being so. This is Sirhan Sirhan's first televised interview. It's 1969, just after his conviction for the murder of Senator Robert F. Kennedy. You had never seen Senator Kennedy? No, you? sir. Uh, you, you, had, you knew about him? Yes, sir, I did. I loved him, sir. I thought that he was the prince, sir. He was the hope of all the poor people of this country, sir, minorities. So when you heard Senator Kennedy on the radio, was it? Talk about sending jet bombers to Israel, you heard a report about it. I heard the report about it, and it was unreal to me. I couldn't picture Robert Kennedy wanting to do that. During Kennedy's presidential campaign, he had pledged to support Israel by sending them jet bombers. He would seem like a villain to me, like a man who wants to kill, like a man who wants to throw those bombs on the, the people, and destroy. And, you know, I couldn't believe it. And Sirhan said that this betrayal was the reason he killed Kennedy. Arab people in many, in many Arab countries seem to consider you something of a hero, yes, a sir. martyr. You think you have accomplished something? What? I think that the world, sir, should know that 20 years of suffering, deprivation, injustice for the Palestinian Arab people, sir, is enough. You think your case has brought this to their attention? I think whatever little attention it has brought, sir, is, is worth it. My life and regrettably Mr. Kennedy. But this version of Sirhan, the political assassin, is very different from the confused, quiet man he was in the weeks before his trial when he told the psychiatrist, my own conscience doesn't agree with what I did. My own conscience doesn't agree with what I did. Your own conscience? My own conscience doesn't agree with what I did. In what way? It's against my upbringing, my very nature, my, my whole, my childhood, you know, my family, the church, the prayers, the Bible, all this, thou shalt not kill me. And here I go and splatter this guy's brains. It's just not me. So who was Sirhan Sirhan? Both his own lawyers and the prosecution agreed that he was the man who shot Senator Robert Kennedy at the Ambassador Hotel on June 5th, 1968. No one, not even Sirhan's lawyers, were asking questions about gun positioning or extra bullets in door frames. With the who, what, where, and when of the case agreed upon by both sides, the only thing left to figure out was why. I'm Zach Stewart-Pontier, and you're listening to the RFK Tapes. Hold on one second. Sure. This is it right here? Uh, no, I think it's the next one, one, down. More, one more. Bill and I are in Pasadena, California, on a quiet block of modest one-story houses. Good morning. Happy New Year. Good morning. I'm Bill Munir. This is the house where Sirhan Sirhan used to live. His younger brother, Munir, greets us at the door. Hi, Zach. Hi, Hi how's, How are you doing? Doing well. Munir is short. He's in his 70s, wears dark glasses because he has problems with his eyes and he chain-smokes American spirits. Make yourselves at home. Some coffee? Every coffee? Sure, I would love some coffee. The house is medium-sized with a couple bedrooms. It feels just a bit too big for Munir, who now lives here all by himself. 
But when he starts listing off all the siblings who used to live here, it's hard to imagine how they all fit. The oldest down, I think, Sadala, Sharif, Aida, Adele, Sirhan, and Sexio. In fact, all of the names in, in Arabic, they, they're taken, they're all biblically uh, rooted. In 1944, Sirhan Sirhan was born into a large family in Jerusalem, then a part of Palestine. The Sirhans were devoutly Christian, especially their mother, Mary. Mother was an avid believer in Christendom, and she used to be a guide. There were a lot of uh, nationalities that used to uh, come to visit the, the holy places, and she used to tell them, this is where Christ did this, and this is where he walked, and she was a tourist guide. When Sirhan was a small child, a bloody civil war broke out as Israelis and Palestinians fought over territory. Jerusalem became a war zone. He had a very, very uh, much experience of terrible type of war. Sirhan's mother remembers that when he was a small child, there was no escape. He saw his own brother killed. And war is hard enough really for an old people. How it, it is, do you think, with children? It makes marks in their minds, in their hearts. And, and you can't even, they can't forget it. You're walking from school to, to, to home or home to school or home to a store. You know, you're always looking at the sky. You're always hear, listening for the air raid siren. The air raid sirens ran and all the women started screaming and the kids, they all started grabbing the kids and screams and hollers. My God, they were, that, that, that I remember. The Sirhans were forced to move to Jordanian-controlled East Jerusalem, becoming refugees for nearly a decade. Then, through an American couple that Mary had met while working as a tour guide, the Sirhans got sponsored for relocation to the United States. There's probably no single area holding so much of charm and beauty and the good things of life as Southern California. Fine buildings, huge stores, busy citizens. The Sirhans began their new life in Pasadena, California. When we first uh, arrived here in California, Sirhan saw everybody was uh, blonde. He turns and asks mother, is our hair going to turn blonde? <laughs> I don't want blonde hair. <laughs> Sirhan's family didn't have a lot of money, and he struggled to fit in. In middle school, he was embarrassed to have to wear the same clothes for days in a row. In high school, it wasn't easy for him to make friends. After graduation, he had trouble holding down a job. What was he into? What kind of stuff? Horses, reading, uh, languages. But, you know, he liked to look at girls. You know, he admired girls. Uh, and then he, he, he would, uh, not avidly, not as avid as mother, but uh, he, you know, he, he read the Bible. You mentioned that he was into horses. Did yeah. Ever, and he worked at a stable, right? Yeah. In his early 20s, with his slight build and short stature, Sirhan thought that maybe he'd become a jockey. So he moved to a nearby town with a horse track. I understand from mother, when I'd ask her where Sirhan is, she said he's working out in a town called Corona. He wants to become a, a jockey. And uh, he, he lives out there in a trailer. And I'm saying, well, when he, let me know when he comes home. I miss him. Well, you know, I'd like to, to see him. One foggy morning in 1966, Sirhan was thrown from a horse. He suffered a head injury and was hospitalized. 
And lo and behold, the next time I saw him, one side of his face was scarred up. Sirhan moved back home, and Munir noticed a change. He wanted to be by himself. You know, he was, uh, it's kind of hard to put into words. He, he didn't, he didn't want to be bothered. He, he was a little more irritable. He was a, which, you know, but I didn't attribute that to anything except that he was in, uh, you know, in pain due to the uh, fall. Uh, but later on, we learned it may be other things. I'm wondering if you could just show us which room used to be uh, Sir Hans. Yeah, yeah sure. Sure. Munir takes us to a small room at the back of the house. This would have been right here. Other than a few of Sir Hans' old books and his desk, there aren't many traces of his former life here. And uh, he had a, uh, a fish weight hanging from the light. In fact, it was so low it, hit, it, it bumped my head. Munir gestures up to the ceiling and says that after Sir Hans' fall from the horse, he remembers coming in here to discover that Sir Hans was doing some sort of strange experiment. It was like a the old silver dollar size, and it was pretty heavy. So it, when it hit my head, I said, what's that? And uh, then he mentioned something about, uh, it's a Rosicrucian's exercise. Brothers and sorors, you may now open your eyes. We shall begin the last step in our method of attunement with the cosmic mind. The Rosicrucians, known as the ancient mystical order Rose Crucis, are an occult order who believe that their members possess secret wisdom handed down from ancient times. Sirhan had been immersing himself in Rosicrucian teachings. He talked about it in that first TV interview. A candle experiment where you would concentrate on seeing the flame in the candle at any color that you wanted to become. You just look at the flame and think red, for instance, long enough and you will see a a red flame, and then a green flame, and then a yellow flame, or any, and then you get to the point where you can see any color you want. Then both you and the flame have become one with the golden radiance, the consciousness of the cosmic. Munir says Sirhan would also stare at his own reflection in the bathroom mirror for long periods of time. That fish weight, the candle, the mirror, they were all various practices of self-hypnosis. Then one day, Sirhan asked Munir for a favor. But at some point, he, he, it became clear that he wanted to buy a gun, right? Yeah, yeah. He did, and he asked you. Yeah, I didn't, think, think any, I didn't think anything of it. There wasn't a connection between guns and death in my mind at the time. You know, the, I took him you know, to be like a sporty, sporty uh, more for sport than for committing crimes. Munir found a friend at work who would sell Sirhan a gun. And so, in early 1968, Sirhan Sirhan became the owner of an eight-shot Ivor Johnson cadet model 22 caliber revolver. Munir didn't really think about that gun again until the morning of June 5th, 1968, when he arrived at his job as a security guard at Nash's department store. The employee lounge was full, and uh, the TV was blaring. In Los Angeles, Senator Robert F. Kennedy was shot. The senator is now undergoing brain surgery. And I, when I looked at everybody, they were all looking at the TV. So I glanced over at the TV. This is the man who was apprehended at the scene immediately after Senator Kennedy was shot. Well, lo and behold, it looks like my brother. 
He has refused to give any information about himself, even his identity. I said, no way. Yes, let's see this fellow again. We've got that picture over there now. There he is. Somebody must know him. Yep, that's, that's Sirhan. Munir raced home to pick up his brother, Adele, and they drove to the police station. I said, the, the person that they're showing on TV, I think, is my brother who shot the senator. But that's, that's how we verified the fact that it was Sirhan. Now being held by Los Angeles police in connection with the Kennedy shooting is 24-year-old Sirhan Bishara Sirhan. Mother and I went up to see him. The, the, the cell it was so gloomy. We asked Sirhan, you know, what, what happened? What, what's this all about? You know, tell us. I don't remember. I don't remember. And then I asked him. And then, you know, he, he looked, he, you know, it's, just, it's like, you're asking me again? Like, why are you asking me again? I just answered you. I don't remember. I so don't he remember. had no recollection? No. Of no. The, the murder? No, no, no. Murder, murder doesn't click right in my ears. <laughs> the incident or the, you know, what happened that night is a little, I, I don't believe Sirhan is capable of murder. Murder didn't click right for Munir, but the cops were about to find something in Sirhan's room that made it clear to them that murder had been on his mind. A police searched the premises this morning, found the notebook in the suspect's room mentioning the, quote, necessity to assassinate Senator Kennedy. In which he iterated and reiterated, RFK must die, RF Kennedy must be assassinated, assassinated, assassinated. Sirhan had written at the top of one page, my determination to eliminate RFK is becoming more the more of an unshakable obsession. Despite his claims of not remembering the crime, here, in his own handwriting, was evidence that he'd been planning to murder Robert Kennedy. And those diaries and those writings, you will admit, don't look good, do they? You, you realize that they definitely indicate that you wanted to kill Kennedy before he was killed. You realize that, don't you? Yeah. Hmm? I do realize that. No. These are tape-recorded jailhouse sessions between Sirhan Sirhan and Dr. Seymour Pollack, a psychiatrist hired by the LADA's office to evaluate Sirhan's sanity. They're a little hard to hear, but as you'll see, they're worth it. Everybody has crazy ideas. And I think that what you wrote in the diary, those were crazy. Sirhan explains to Dr. Pollock that he doesn't remember writing in his notebook. Why don't you remember writing these things? These things are part of your plan. Uh, it isn't It is not Sirhan. It isn't me. I'm not a killer, sir. He told Dr. Pollock that though he didn't remember writing the threatening words, he did remember being angry at Kennedy. He failed me as a hero, as, a, as an idol, if you will. I really went for him. He failed me. He betrayed me. Betrayed he failed me. He betrayed me. Senator Kennedy, you have mentioned our commitment to Israel, and of course many people think that the Middle East will be the next great powder keg and bring the next great confrontation between the East and West. Senator Kennedy, you this past week proposed that we send 50 jet fighters to Phantom Israel. Jets. Phantom jets. 
Uh, do you think that's why you wrote down in the diary Kennedy has to die? At the time, I guess, yeah. At the time, I guess, yeah. Why don't you remember writing this? The thing that bothers me is that you say you don't even remember any part of it, anything you've written there. Not a single damn thing. That bothers me. Really? Maybe, maybe I am crazy. Maybe I am crazy. Maybe I am. Maybe I don't know. I'm not trying to tell you that there was But really, uh, I can't explain it. I can't explain it. Dr. Pollack gave up on trying to get Sirhan to remember writing about killing Kennedy in his notebook and began to explore the shooting itself. The reason I'm interested in your remembering is that I'm hopeful that the more you remember, the more I'll be to understand what went on. That's coming up after the break. In my opinion, Sir Ham, I don't think you have any chance. I really don't. I don't. The jury, listening, will be negative rather than positive to you if you don't remember. Dr. Seymour Pollock is sitting with Sirhan Sirhan in his jail cell. He's been hired by the LADA's office to evaluate Sirhan's sanity. Sirhan had said he didn't remember shooting Kennedy, and Dr. Pollock wanted to find out how much about that day he did remember. Now, I don't want you to fake. I don't want you to make up anything. But I do know that the more clear this whole thing is, the better defense you will have. But it just all doesn't fit in what I, what I look at. That there's so many, other, so many points that are unexplainable. Such as what? Could you give me, could you itemize the points that are unexplainable? My whole going to the range that day was unexplainable. My whole going to the range that day was unexplainable. Sirhan tells Dr. Pollock that on June 4th, 1968, he signed into a gun range around 11 a.m. He was seen shooting there until the range closed around 5. Then, he headed to Bob's Big Boy, where he had a burger and a coffee. He then tells Dr. Pollock that he drifted downtown looking for something to do and heard about a big party happening on Wilshire Boulevard. Now you remember walking down Wilshire Boulevard, and then you got to the Ambassador Hotel. Sirhan arrived at the Ambassador Hotel around 8 p.m. Uh, were you drinking at that time? That's where I bought my liquor. That's where you bought the liquor. Sirhan says he had a few cocktails and wandered around the hotel. He tried to talk to a hostess, but she blew him off. So he decided to drive home. All right, do you remember walking back to your car now? I remember getting into my car. I remember getting into my car. You do remember getting into your car. Now, what's going to go home? Go home. Go home. Okay, so why didn't you go home? Well, I was drunk, Doc. I was drunk, Doc. But I couldn't get myself to drive that car. I couldn't get myself to drive that car. Sir Han tells Dr. Pollock that to sober up, he went to look for coffee. You wanted to get coffee. Now, apparently, you then picked up the gun and walked back from the car to the hotel. Because obviously, uh, he wasn't killed with your finger. Obviously. But you have no recollection at all of picking up the gun? No, sir, I don't. What do you remember when you got back and after you've had some coffee? 
I was choking like a son of a bitch. Choking? I was choking. Choking on what? They grabbed my throat. Oh, you mean after the shooting? Yeah. I see. And you didn't know that you had shot Kennedy? I didn't know. I didn't know. Do you get my point? You're, you're making a big to-do about you're not remembering, as if you're not remembering is going to uh, mean something to the jury. It's not going to be a damn thing. What you did appears to be something that you knew what you were doing. Do you get my point? Dr. Pollock went over and over this, and he couldn't get Sirhan to fill in the gap between having coffee before Kennedy was shot and being choked by the crowd afterwards. How could you carry a gun from your car back to um, the Ambassador Hotel and not know that you have it? Uh, how, can you, how can you do that? Are you trying to tell me that you could carry a gun without knowing you have it? What did you think it was in there? Uh, 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 applesauce? I don't know. Dr. Pollock had hit a dead end. And while comparing notes with the psychiatrist hired by Sirhan's defense team, he found that the defense psychiatrist had hit the same dead end, too. This is Dr. Pollock, February 1, 1969, with uh, Sirhan Sirhan, interviewed by Dr. Diamond. The defense team's chief psychiatrist was Dr. Bernard Diamond, and he had an idea about how to unlock Sirhan's memory. Now, one... Two, three, four, five. You heard a little bit of this tape in episode one. Glad to go into a very light sleep, that's it. Dr. Diamond puts Sirhan into a hypnotic state and gives him a notebook and a pencil. Sirhan, can you hear me? Open your eyes, start up at the top of the page. And I want you to write about Kennedy. He writes, RFK must die, RFK must die, RFK must die the same phrase that was scrawled over and over in that notebook found in his room. Sir, were you hypnotized when you wrote the notebook? Right. Yes, yes, yes. That's enough. Yes, yes, yes. Sir writes that he was hypnotized when he wrote his notebook. Who hypnotized you, Sir when you wrote the notebook? Who hypnotized you? Write his name down. A... M-O-R-C. A-M-O-R-C. Ancient, mystical, order, Rosé, Crucis. That's the the Rosicrucians, isn't it? Brothers and sorors, you may now open your eyes. Every time you try the exercises, you further develop the various planes of your consciousness. Dr. Diamond and Dr. Pollock probe deeper and take Sirhan back to the night of the assassination. You're at the Ambassador Hotel. You're at the Kennedy reception, Sirhan. Now try to picture in your mind the scene. You're back, you, you had four palm collars. Remember that? You were guttling that stuff like lemonade, and you went out in the car. And you're too drunk to drive. Did you sleep? You must have done something. You must have picked up the gun. Don't you remember picking up the gun? All right, now let's get unconfused. So now you picked up the gun. Where did you put the gun? In your pocket? 
Under your armpit? Where? Your waistband? Sirhan doesn't respond. All right, now you're back at the party. You remember being back at the party? Yes, you remember you had coffee? Black coffee? Cream and coffee? Sugar coffee? What? Coffee, not for the big, big silver. Dr. Diamond tries again. My thanks to all of you, and now it's on to Chicago, and let's win there. You're, you're in the kitchen there. You're standing in the corner. There are lots of people around. A lot of noise. And you see Kennedy coming. Now, what do you see, sir? exercises of reaching into the cosmic and your own being may bring fruitful results 
in a matter of seconds. Senator Kennedy has been shot. Is that possible? No. Oh, my God. If the cosmic attunement is accomplished, great illumination as inspiration and intuitive ideas will be your reward. <laughs> Siran, open your eyes. Are they choking you, Siran? Sirhan comes out of the trance. The first thing Sirhan asks is if the doctors think he's crazy. Still one? Something else, please? No, I don't think you're crazy, Sirhan. Sir, do you remember what you told us? Sir, it was to help you remember. Do you remember what you told us? Try, try to remember. It's, it's cloudy, I know, but it'll come back. You remember that, you son of a bitch. You son of a bitch. Now remember that. Who is the son of a bitch? Huh? You don't remember Kennedy there? Concentrate. You can see Kennedy coming towards you, sir. Did you see him? Kennedy is coming towards you, and you, you said, you son of a bitch. You were blind with anger, sir. You see Kennedy coming now. You've got the gun. You remember where you told us where the gun was? I don't remember. Five minutes ago, sir, and you showed me where the gun was. Now point to me where the gun was. The gun was right here, right there in your belt. And you reached for the gun. You showed us, sir, how you reached for the gun. Go ahead, reach for it. And reach for the gun. I didn't reach for my gun. Yes, yes, the gun you reached. You showed us how. You reached in there and you showed us how you pulled the trigger. Try to remember. This is tough to remember. You're not crazy, Sarah. Sometimes you've been very badly mixed up. Sometimes you can't remember things. But no one's going to call you crazy. Nobody's going to put you in a crazy house. Was that what you wanted us to remember, Sir Ham? I don't give a damn what you think. Seriously, I'm not crazy. This hypnosis session and Sirhan's inability to remember it seemed to bring to light his greatest fear about himself, that he might be mentally ill. But mental illness would also become his lawyer's best and only defense of him. 
The hypnosis session was proof enough to them that Sirhan had not been in his right mind when he shot Robert Kennedy, that he had done it in a state of diminished capacity. In essence, they planned to tell the world that there wasn't much behind the assassination of Robert Kennedy other than a sick mind. When Sirhan learned this, he asked if he could plead guilty instead. The judge denied him. Following the hypnosis session, Dr. Pollock meets with Sirhan alone in his cell three more times to finish his evaluation. In the last of these sessions, a reimagined Sirhan seems to emerge. See, I didn't shoot a man. I shot Kennedy. I told you that. Mm-hmm. For, for killing a human being, I told you I'd gladly go to that chamber. I'll gladly go. But for killing Kennedy, sir, I'm not guilty in no one. No way do I feel any guilt about killing Because he's just as much a killer as, as Hitler was. Everybody's wants to have me have justice. Why didn't they catch him, sir? And he said that he was going to give those 50 bombers to his way. Hell, that, that's John guy right there. That's mass murder right there you're talking about. Well, it's because the Arabs are being murdered. That's all right. Fuck them. That's your philosophy in America. Fuck them. That's your philosophy in America. Not with me, sir. They're my people, Mr. Pollock. They're my people. Not with me, sir. They are my people, Mr. Pollock. They are my people. Well, you tell that to that jury I want you to tell that to the jury for me. The Arab-Israeli situation is now a key issue in the trial. Today, for the first time, Sirhan Sirhan told his version of the murder of Robert Kennedy. He told it in a performance ranging from anger and defiance to a kind of calm humility. He cursed the late senator, saying Kennedy had betrayed him by urging the sale of U.S. jets to Israel. That was when he wrote in his notebooks about assassinating the senator. Dr. Pollack took the stand. The prosecution's key witness, a psychiatrist from the University of California, said flatly today that Sirhan knew what he was doing when he shot Senator Kennedy. At no time, he said, could he find any evidence that Sirhan suffered from delusions, any break with reality. Dr. Pollack told the world that Sirhan Sirhan was not crazy. He is not crazy or psychotic, though he admitted he was obsessed with hatred for Israel and hatred for Kennedy. At this time, Sirhan was very pleased with Dr. Pollock's testimony. He told one of his attorneys, see, he thinks I'm fine. And then, Dr. Pollock revealed one last surprising detail that had come out during his sessions with Sirhan. There uh, were uh, people in the uh, pantry who have not, to my knowledge, been, to the present time, completely identified. Under hypnosis, Sirhan had said, someone was with him in the pantry. Start a new line. That's enough. You don't, you don't have to write it over and over again. Was anybody with you when you shot Kennedy? Yes. 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 Now, write the name of the person who was with you when you shot Kennedy, sir. Write the name of the other person who was with you. Write it down, sir. The girl, the girl. The girl. Do you know the girl's name? Write out the name of the girl. Next week, Bill and I go see about a girl.
Crime Town is me, Zach Stewart Pontier, and Mark Smerling. The RFK Tapes is made in partnership with Cadence 13. This episode was produced by Jesse Rudoy, with help from Bill Kleber, Ula Kulpa, and Ryan Murdoch. Austin Mitchell is our senior producer. Editing by Mark Smerling. Fact-checking by Jennifer Blackman. This episode was mixed, sound designed, and scored by Kenny Kusiak. Additional music by John Kusiak. Our theme song is Maria Tambien by Krungman. Our credit track this week is Dr. Solution by Doran Danoff. Music supervision by Josh Kessler and Dylan Bostic at Heavy Duty Projects. Archival footage courtesy of NBC News and Pacifica Radio Archives. Archival research by Brennan Reese. Production assistance by Kevin Shepard. Our website is designed by Kurt Courtney. Thanks to Gene Kleber, Emily Wiedemann, Green Card Pictures, Alessandro Santoro, Paul Schrade, Lori Dusick, Munir Sirhan, and the team at Cadence 13. For more information on the Robert Kennedy murder, pick up a copy of Bill's book, Shadow Play, from St. Martin's Press. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the RFK Tapes. And if you like the show, please consider leaving us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For bonus content, check out our website, rfktapes.com. This week, you can see pages of Sirhan Sirhan's diary. Thanks. See you next week. Oh, you live the of the doctor.